Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by Justin Peach. Justin, hello. Hello, Ryan. See, I didn't tease you this week with a derogatory name. That's because today I am all business, baby. <laughs> all business. Because you are listening to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. And it's that time, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time of the year. Our league table predictions. The new season is here. So it's time for us to reveal how we think it's going to pan out over the next 10 months. I've got mixed emotions, Justin. Mm. There's excitement, nerves. How are you feeling? Yeah, pretty excited. It's, it's, it comes around really quick. And then mm. you're excited about doing them. And then the couple of hours after they get released, you get you get a bit of a stick. Yeah. You get a bit of abuse. <laughs> you're, you're excited. And then two hours after, it's like, oh, I'm not enjoying this anymore. <laughs> Maybe I was wrong the whole time. Maybe I should have put so-and-so here. Oh, God. Yep, and judging from, because I've seen plenty of other ch fellow championship experts release their predictions, they have been getting absolutely hammered. <laughs> so I've been excited for this for the past month or so, and now I'm a bit nervous heading into this. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go through 24th to 17th in the championship. On Tuesday, we'll reveal who we've got from 16th to 9th, and then on Thursday, we release our top Eight. What we do is I make a table and Justin makes a table. We then merge them together into one and find a happy medium. And I don't like to blow our own trumpets, Justin, but this is the third season we've done it. And we're mm. generally not too far off, are we? We're not. But this season, I think it's probably the first season where we've had a lot more discrepancy in our averages where, you know, there are some teams where we've been. I mean, we had a couple of conversations and. I was openly disagreeing with you. I was, I was one of those fans abusing you. I yeah, I can see what you mean because I'll start off by saying this: it's a very mixed bag in the middle of the table, but at the top end and bottom ends, there were some very obvious mm. picks which yeah, seem yeah, to have yeah. been reflected elsewhere. And in the past, we've obviously had like you know three or four teams that we've got completely wrong. However, by and large. We're in the right ballpark with most teams, aren't we? So oh, yeah. all I'm trying to say is, ladies and gentlemen, spoiler alert for the whole season. <laughs> you, you've had all these other championship experts coming out with their predictions. They're meaningless. These are the real deal right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth pointing out we're basing our predictions on what we have in front of us so far. I say that because obviously the transfer window is still open for another month. So it could all change by the time it closes. Mm. But it's not fun doing a league table predictions in a month into the season, is it? So we do it now yeah. based off how things are looking and how we expect things to pan out over the next month. Final thing before we start, I've picked out three players to keep an eye out for this season. Three players I think could really take the championship by storm. So keep an ear out for them over the course of these three episodes. Justin, let's crack into Ooh. it. So 24th, who have we got? Derby County. And it's a pretty obvious one. Yep, it's an easy start. <laughs> <laughs> I have looked through every single championship prediction. No one has Derby anywhere else. It's quite remarkable because I don't think there's been this resounding thing where every, every single person has tipped mm -hmm the same team to be relegated and every single of them, every single one of them has them rock bottom. 
it's it's quite staggering and, and quite a fall from grace for Derby, isn't it? Given that a season ago, two seasons ago, we wouldn't have pitted them anywhere near rock bottom. And the fact that it's unanimous amongst every championship or EFL content creator or football content creator says a lot about the state of the squad and state of things at Derby at the minute. Yeah, it's a mess on and off the pitch. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's been following it, even if you've not been actively following it, you're fully aware of what the hell is going on at Derby at the moment. 13 senior players, two of which are going to miss at least the first three months of the season. And they're probably two of the best players in Christian Bielik and Jason Knight. The squad that they had last season barely stayed up by the skin of its teeth and they've lost players since then. So it's even weaker the players they can bring in, they're restricted to out-of-contract players and they're only allowed to spend so much on those players. The manager is inexperienced as well and hasn't particularly mm-hmm. convinced in the time that he has been managing. So there aren't really many positives, are there? You say positives and I'm going to try and swing it a little bit. There are crumbs of a good side here. When you think of the team, there's Byrne and Buchanan at wing-back. They're two very good attacking full-backs and they can offer a lot going forward. In midfield, when Bielik's back fit uh, alongside Graham Shinney, you've got two very good sitting midfielders there. We saw how good Christian Bielik was um, during the period of time where Derby looked unstoppable last season. Um, and then going forward, you've got Joswiak and Sibley who can who have got so much potential going forward. So, as I say, there are crumbs of a good side and it's literally all it needs is a takeover. Some players coming in of, of, of good experience, of good quality, and I can see them climbing the table, but right now they've got no chance. And they're, they're the positives I'm going to try and swing it with for Dobby. Yeah, you're spot on. Once Bielik comes back, we're saying that's probably not going to be until after Christmas, then you've got yourself probably a Premier League player. I don't think that's yeah. unfair to say. Yeah. Um, until then, they're pretty stuffed. <laughs> and I'd say it's an accomplishment if Derby finish anything other than bottom, really. I give them very little chance of staying up and so has everyone. So there we go. 23rd, Justin. We've got Blackpool start, mm. uh, starting there. I'll start off by saying I really struggled picking the other two teams to go down. Last season, I thought Rotherham, Wednesday and Wickham to go down. And that seemed to be a fair reflection across the season. Then obviously it came to light. This season, I just picked the teams I felt were the most likely, if there's a difference. Um, it's wide open this season, the relegation battle. But I look at Black Blackpool and I think they are the weakest side out of the teams who are down there. Would you agree with that? Potentially, yes. Um, I don't think they've got the quality going forward that the likes of... You know, Peterborough and Hull, who came up with them, have defensively they're a lot more solid, but it's not necessarily going to help them because goals keep you in the championship. Defense, a good defensive record, as as Derby found out last season, or an okay defensive record, isn't enough essentially. Um, although it did it did end up keeping Derby in a division, but there are teams that are down there that are I think are going to be a lot more closely competitive. Uh, around you that it's going to make it even more difficult so getting goals and scoring goals and creating chances is, is going to be key so as I say the, the the team that Blackpool have got is probably missing a few players for us to really convince ourselves that they are going to avoid dropping into the bottom three 
yeah, Spawn, the signings that they have made haven't really impressed me. I think they're signings that would be good in League One, but in the Championship, I struggle to see them making much of an impact. And you're right in saying they could struggle for goals because Jerry Yates was great up front last season, mm -hmm. but they need more from him. He scored a lot of goals from the penalty spot last season, <laughs> so we need more from open play. And then 13 teams scored more goals than them in League One last season. And if anything, they look weaker going forwards at the moment because they've lost the likes of Solly Kai Kai and uh, Ellis Sims as yeah. well. So they do need to strengthen. Hopefully they'll do that before the transfer window closes. There are positives, though. They were very good defensively last season, conceded the fewest goals in League One, and it reflected in the data as well. And they have looked like they've strengthened at the back. That is going to be their best hope of staying up. And I think if I was a relegation threatened side, I'd rather be very solid at the back than you know free scoring up front do you agree i would yeah i know i said that goals keep you in the division they do but having a good defensive record will go a long way to to keeping blackpool at arm's length of the, the the bottom three so you are right and with blackpool essentially they've got a a back six because they've got two good holding midfielders in in kenny dougal and and um kevin stewart we know kevin stewart we liked him when he was in the championship with hull city he's a very good player at championship level and then you've got the likes of James Husband who's experienced he's a very experienced player he's played in championship before Richard Keogh will slot in um, and then there's Luke Garber at left back who's got a point to prove really so there is a uh, there is a good side there but as I say it's just a depth for example if, if one of those gets injured is someone going to step up and have they got enough going forward but as you say there are positives for Blackpool it's not all doom and gloom but they'll put more of a fight than some of the teams around him I think yeah, and the biggest positive is Neil Critchley, the manager, yeah. who's someone I really rate more, actually a lot more than the other two managers of the promoted sides. And he's done brilliantly in taking Blackpool from this mid-table League One side into the championship. And he will be able to grind out points with this mm -hmm. team across the course of the season. There will be a tricky side to come up against for Blackpool. It's not going to be like last season where there are four clear crap teams in the <laughs> championship blackpool will um cause plenty of teams problems this season i'm certain of that so we've got them to finish 23rd because they look the weakest out of the sides down there but this is a very competitive championship so who knows 22nd who we got justin we've got coventry city and i feel, i do i feel a little bit bad putting them there because i do like them a lot but for me i'm just not sure this season Mm, I expected them to build on last season after a campaign where they just, you know, solidified their status in the mm -hmm. championship and then they could use that as a springboard. But the truth is, I just don't think they've improved enough this summer. You're quite right. They've lost Leo Ostergaard, who was obviously on loan last season. So they've got Karl McVadzian and uh, I think it's, it's Dominic Heim, isn't it? The, the other centre-back, senior centre-backs anyway. Uh, and obviously taking Ossegaard out there, he was great for them last season. He's, he's a threat going forward as well, and he's versatile. They haven't brought anybody into it to replace him. Going forwards, they look well-stocked, but there's a lot of players there that I'm not sure about. Martin Waghorn, I don't know if last season's dip in form for Derby was the start of something for him, uh, because he did look really poor. Victor Gaikarez has not quite convinced me that he's, he's going to get the goals either, although he did show flashes of quality. And then there's Matt Godden and, and Tyler Walker who offer a lot going forward, but can they stay fully fit for the whole season? And as we saw last season when they were out the side, they were struggling for goals. I think the biggest thing for me as well, actually, is, is losing Matthew James because they lose the experienced orchestrator uh, at centre mid. 
Yeah. Well, Tyler Walker is the man I expect. If Coventry are going to stay up this season, they need him to be scoring goals. He showed yeah. signs of being a really good striker last season, but he needs to stay fit and he needs to do it on a more regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of a similar theme across this whole Coventry side. While they have got some very exciting, talented players, yeah. a lot of them are very inconsistent. Callum O'Hare is someone who really springs to mind as someone on his day is one of the best in the championship going forwards, but he does have a tendency to go missing in games. And then Gustavo Hammer, who we were, you know, talking endlessly about last season. The Hamer Badger. Yeah, Hamer Badger, a very important player, but his form dropped off a lot in the second half of the season. So he's going to have to get back to his best. And they've also lost Sam McCallum, someone I'm a massive fan of at left back. They brought in Ian Martson from Chelsea. Is it going to be as good? Who knows? So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks about this Coventry side and it's too many for my liking. And you have got to remember they were flirting with relegation pretty much all of last season. Mm. And the league is tougher in the bottom portion of the table. Mark Robinson, very good manager. And he's got this good feeling factor back at the club, especially now because they are back playing football in Coventry, which I feel like may make a difference. Yeah, I'm on the other end of the spectrum there because their record at St Andrews was ridiculous. I think go back was, to Birmingham. Yeah, go back to Birmingham. I think they lost less than 10 games at St Andrews over the space of two years. Uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that that was they they were just very very good at St Andrews. I don't know yeah. if going back to the Rico is going to make it harder. So remains to be seen. Coventry Building Society Arena. Please get it right. And um, 21st, <laughs> Justin. 21st, we have got. Huddersfield Town. Now, Huddersfield were very lucky that there were four very poor teams in the Championship last season because they were very bad in the second half of the campaign. I know you can say that about a lot of situations, but if Huddersfield play like that this season, then they'll go down, won't they? Too right. Yeah, they 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 were. Well, it's a it's a coin toss between them and Bristol City for the worst team in the second half of last season, isn't it? Defensively, they were just. A, joke. I know Corbrand's gone a, a fair way to try and improve that with the signings that they've made over the summer but for me I don't think it's quite enough to get them over the line into a more uh, safer area um, of the league but as you say there was a lot of issues with Huddersfield that that could also spill into into this season we've seen it with many teams they don't fix they don't fix the problems that they have and um they start to well. They start with inconsistencies, which is 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 bad in the championship. Yeah, the defence was an absolute mess. Quite yeah. frankly, it was a disaster, particularly in the second half of the season. And they have brought in players to improve it. I'm not convinced those players actually improve it that much, though. So that's one to keep an eye out for. Levi Cole will remains to be seen whether he's good, capable of making the step up to the championship. But they have brought in a lot of players. Jordan Rhodes particularly catching the eye as the big name amongst them coming back into the team. Again, not sure how he's going to do. But the biggest addition to this squad, not really an addition, but they missed him massively in the second half of last season was Josh Caroma. And him coming back into the team is a massive, massive positive because they looked a different team with him in the side, didn't they? Well, the the, the form in the first half of the season... Uh, compared to the second is, is chalk and cheese, isn't it? There was such a difference. And a main a main factor in that difference was was Josh Caroma. He's a good ball carrier. Um he loves coming in off the left. And there were times last season where 
he looked incredible and and he sort of came out of nowhere um because he was on loan at Leighton Orient I, th- I think it was Leighton Orient um and yeah, then right. Rotherham and it didn't quite work out for him and then he was stepping up and it, I don't know if it was gonna yeah as I say work out for him uh, 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 but he proved me wrong and he was he was very very good it's just how quickly he can bounce back from quite a significant injury because if he could do it quick then they've got nothing to worry about because I think if Josh Crome is fit then I don't think this Huddersfield well if Josh Crome is fit and firing I don't think this Huddersfield team finishes that near the bottom three yeah well they have got a handful of very good players haven't they you're looking at Josh Karoma, Lewis O'Brien, Harry Toffolo. These are very, very good players at championship level and could go on to bigger and greater things at some point in their career. It's just whether it happens anytime soon. And then the final point on Huddersfield is the jury is still out on Carlos Corbran as the head coach. He goes into the season under pressure, a lot of pressure from fans after their disastrous form in the second half of the season. And he needs to start well, otherwise that pressure could become too much to handle. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And you know how much I love Carlos Corbran. I do think there's a long-term project at Huddersfield. But as you say, if they start slowly, then he's in a bit of trouble. And obviously Huddersfield are in a bit of trouble. But the deciding factor between them uh, finishing the bottom three is consistency in, in, in style of play. If they can really nail it down, then I think they, they, they've got the potential to be a very good side. It's just probably too soon for them to finish higher in the table. Yeah, there's a lot of hope that Carlos Corbran has learned a lot from the mistakes that he made last season. But there is a there's a big job to do here with Huddersfield. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll go from 20th to 17th in our Championship League table predictions. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So these are league table predictions. We've just gone from 24th to 21st. Now we're going to go from 20th to 17th. So Justin, who have we got in 20th? We've got Hull City, the the Mighty Tigers. And um, they're in a bit of a similar situation to Derby with a transfer embargo, which is not ideal for a team coming up from League One. They've got a good side, but is there enough is the question. You, Yeah, you've... Um, well, obviously, as I was saying at the start of the episode, we made two different tables and you had Hull to go down, mm-hmm. which I was very surprised about because I had Hull sitting rather comfortably, relatively comfortably <laughs> in 17th. So why did you have Hull in the relegation zone? I think the first thing I'll do is I'll caveat it with they, they do have a good team. Uh, the likes of Malik Wilkes, Keen Lewis Potter and Josh McGuinness, they scored uh, scored 50 between them last season in League One. But it's whether or not they can step up into the championship. McGuinness didn't pull up any trees while he, well, while he was with Hull uh, a couple of seasons ago when they were relegated. Keen Lewis Potter, uh, is a he, he, he's obviously got the potential. And Malik's, Malik Wilkes, again, is a player who didn't quite make the grade at Barnsley. And was and was loaned out, so there's a lot of question marks there for the front three, and then defensively, I don't think there's a lot of depth. They've got a lack of experience as well. Callum Elder, most senior defender at 26, it, it just lacks the the relative experience for me to avoid a relegation fight. I think they need a little bit more, and they can't bring in those players because of an embargo. Although Tom Huddleston has been training with them at the time of recording. I hear what you say, Justin, but I think you're completely wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think 
that attacking three of Malik Wilkes, George Honeyman and Keen Lewis Potter is one of the most exciting creative trios in the championship this season. It'll be hard for teams to keep a lid on all three of them. And then solid at the back as well. Both fullbacks were class for the Tigers last season. I think it's a really good, well-rounded side, which is capable of finishing mid-table. It's got a lot of depth wow. about it as well. Well, I think it's capable of it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just think yeah, it's yeah, yeah. capable of going in there. And it has got a lot of depth as well, a lot more than a lot of the teams we're predicting to finish in the bottom half this season. That's the players that they have been able to bring in have been able to help pad that out. So I'm looking at this whole squad and I'm thinking, yeah, it's looking pretty damn good compared to a lot of the teams um, in the bottom half of the championship. I have got a couple of concerns, I'll admit, hence why they're not higher in the table. Josh McGuinness. Last time when he was in the championship, it looked like a bit of a headless chicken. <laughs> so it will be very interesting to see how he does coming off the back of a good season in League One. Plenty of fans still not sold on Grant McCann after mm. that disastrous season from a couple of seasons ago, second half of the season, where Hull were possibly the worst team I've ever seen in the championship. <laughs> and then they've lost Reese Burke at the back, who was a key player for them. Yeah last season, but they have brought in Deshaun Bernard on loan from Man United, but you just don't know how these players are going to do. So admittedly, I have got concerns, but I, I think you're massively overselling how much damage has been done to Hull over the summer. It's not necessarily so much damage, but for example, you take Keen Lewis Potter, you know, he pulls a hamstring or he, he, he strains some ankle ligaments. That's a six-week layoff. Who's going to step up and replace him? Randell from uh, Exeter. Okay. Okay. How about Malik Wilkson? Randell from Exeter. <laughs> if they both go, then that's it. Just happens. They're, they're right? screwed. <laughs> well, if two, if any team loses their two best players, then yeah, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be not ideal. So, but they have got the depth to replace players if they do get injured. So I'm feeling quite hopeful about Hall yeah. this season. Justin, let's move on. Let's go to 19th. Who have we got sat in 19th? We've got the mighty Preston North End, and yeah. uh, I like Frankie McAvoy a lot, but they're in a they're in a, an in between stage. There's not a lot of expectation at Preston this season, and squad wise, a lot of players are at the wrong end of their peak, shall we say? Yeah, it's. I look at it as a bit of a transition season mm -hmm. from the era of Alex Neal, but I worry if there's too much change going on and not enough is actually happening in the meantime. Mm -hmm. I will say this, the form that they had since McAvoy came in as caretaker was sensational. But was. I'm, I don't see that form carrying on into this season because we've seen new manager bounces plenty of times, but then when these caretakers get the permanent job, it doesn't work. That does happen more often than not, unfortunately. And I've, mm -hmm. my instinct is this is one of those cases just because this is Frankie McAvoy's first job in management ever. Yeah. And then that problem, that persistent problem that we always talk about with Preston Justin is still there. The striker situation. It's been a problem for years now and it has never been remedied. Their options this season up front are Ched Evans, Emil Reese jacobson Sean Maguire, and I wouldn't fancy them as a first-choice striker at any championship side, I don't think. Not as a first-choice, no. They're, they're two, they're, sorry, they're three very good players. 
you you bring on because they run a lot. They can play with a back to goal. They can take up smart positions. They do a very good job of doing that. But as a prolific goal scorers, they are not. I'm afraid. Um, I mean, Chad Evans showed glimpses of of, of of a real touch of quality, but as we said, that thing missing for Preston for years to get them into the top six was a striker who could put 15 away alongside the attacking players that were that were contributing. Not even 15, just 10. 10 would be good, but they haven't got it. <laughs> yeah, you, are, you are right. You're absolutely right. And that, that is that is a massive worry. Defensively, they've recruited very well, I think, this summer. Ola Sunday's come in. Sepp van der, van der Berg's come back in. Uh, Liam, Liam Lindsay's joined on a permanent transfer and he, he showed some really good form last season for them. So there have been some good signings, but as you say, and it looks like they're going to persist with that front three, or as options anyway, not bringing anybody else. Um, that that is an issue, and I think as well as that, I mentioned players at the wrong end, the wrong end of their peak. You got the likes of Scott Sinclair, Tom Barkhausen. Um, help me out here; they've com- completely gone off the top of my head. Daniel Johnson. There actually, yeah, there aren't that many other options really in terms of out wide and yeah. up front. Any, any quality options. Anyway, Scott Sinclair scored quite a few goals last season in fairness to him, but he is very inconsistent. The, the, the defensive midfield is looking quite handy, isn't it? Patrick Bauer is back as well, someone you forgot to mention just then. Mm-hmm. And then the midfield is tidy. Ben Whiteman, Ryan Ledson, Alan Brown, Daniel Johnson, all very good championship players. But it is just that attacking third where I have my concerns. And another place where I've got concern is goalkeeper. Because Daniel Everson was class for Preston between the sticks last season, but he hasn't returned on loan yet. Not sure if that's actually going to happen, but they've got Declan Rudd back in goal. I know I have never been a particularly big Declan Rudd fan. He concedes probably at least 10 goals a season where I think "Mm, maybe you should have done a bit better there. So, yeah, they need to remedy that as well and also bring in a striker, but I just can't see it happening, unfortunately. And that leaves me with a couple of question marks over Preston. And that's probably why we we put them in this bit of a transition phase at the room because, as I was saying, players at the wrong end of their, their peak years, they're, they're getting older, they're losing value. Preston needs to replace them at some point and they can't do it all in one window because it's very, very expensive and Preston don't throw money around like other teams. But saying that, they do have uh, a good side together. It's just whether or not they can get it all going at the same time, keep players fit and um, and, and and firing. And as you say, they haven't done that enough over the last few years and yeah it's going to look like it to be a bit of a not disappointing season but a frustrating one I think because of how it could have been under Alex Neal in 18th we've got their Lancashire rivals Blackburn and it's a bit strange having Blackburn this low in the table considering they had their eyes on the playoffs for a lot of last season but I'll tell you what Justin I was looking at Blackburn's squad the other day and I could not believe how thin it is. It that was like. the start. That was the startling thing for me. Sixteen <laughs> senior outfield players, by my count, they've not signed anyone at the time of recording. And if that's still the case by the end of the window, I'll be very, very worried. What else are you concerned about? Well, the, the main issue is Adam Armstrong, isn't it? When we talk about, yeah. I mean, he's a player that frustrated me because of the middle portion of the last season, he almost went missing. He scored a lot of a high portion of his goals at the start and end of the season. So I'm not discrediting him at all. He's hit, I mean, he hit over 20 goals and that's the type of player he is for Blackburn. He's a goal scorer. He's a very good goal scorer. 
but he's entering the final year of his his contract. Blackburn want twenty million. I think Southampton came in with eight million pounds. Blackburn rejected it, and they went away again. So that's something that's going to rumble on. So they're either going to lose him on a on a reduced fee in January, or for a free at the end of the season. Because for me, it feels like they've tried to, or they've waited for that situation to be resolved this summer, so they can try and reinvest some of it back into the squad. Because as you say, sixteen senior players is just not enough to compete at the top end of the table. There are the likes of Harry Pickering coming coming in, and he's a very good player, but he is a left back. He's not a forward option. Um, and also, I think that the form of Ben Broughton Diaz is a, is a major plus point. But is it enough? Is it enough? Ben Brereton D has a exactly. lot there. Well, if Adam Armstrong were to leave, then you have got to worry about where the goals are going to come from. And you would look at the likes of Brereton Diaz and Gallagher <laughs> for those goals, but I wouldn't be banking on it. And if Adam Armstrong were to leave, I don't think Blackburn can be ruled out of going down this season. Another thing you've got to take into consideration is Tony Mowbray is another manager who's starting this season under pressure after winning just seven games in 2021, he's got to start the season well, because otherwise I could see him being out the door within a matter of months, maybe even just two months. But they have got to get bodies through the door just to pad out the squad depth a bit more. In terms of the starting 11, assuming they keep Armstrong, it's actually quite a strong side. It is. It's just that lack of depth that really really worries me. In 17th, Justin, and our final team for this episode is Bristol City. And I'll say this, I am very disgruntled that we've got Bristol City this high in the table. Um, It was actually the team we had the biggest disparity over, Justin, you'll be interested to know. You had them 14th. Hmm. 14th. I had them 21st. So just outside the relegation zone. Why did you have them so high in the table? Because I look at the squad and the squad's not that bad. It's never been a poor squad. The likes of uh, Adam Nye and Thomas Callas had had good tournaments for at the Euros. Uh, so they're good players. And then you've got the likes of Joe Williams to come back in. And he was brilliant for Wigan in that run of form under Paul Cook a couple of seasons ago. It's, it's a good squad and there's semblance of, of, of a good side there. There's Andy Vyman coming back in. Chris Martin, we know what he can do at this level, but he just needs players around him to, to uptake. Antoine Semenyo looked Really good at, uh, in periods last season. I just think that it's it's a good it's too good a squad to be any lower. And I know last season they were poor, but surely Nigel Pearson can get a tune out of them. Surely, surely, is that more out of hope than expectation? It's it's a, a trust in Nigel Pearson, I think. But it's it's like a I don't know, you know, like an office chair where you don't know if it's going to go too far back. It's that sort of trust. <laughs> Okay, then. I've got major concerns over Bristol City. I've uh, Nigel Pearson is a manager for me who, first off, gets a lot more credit for the jobs that he's done than he probably deserves. Disrespect. Um, that would take a lot of time to explain, so we'll just move on from that <laughs> one. My major concerns really are over the squad because we all know how atrocious they were in the second half of last season. They were the worst team in the league quite easily for me. And that was mainly down to injuries. But they released 11 senior players in the summer and only brought in three. The squad is thinner than it was. So what if they pick up a few injuries this season? They'll be in an even stickier situation. But even when you look at the squad, 
and it does remain injury free. I think they're still lacking quality, particularly going forwards. They're desperately lacking creativity, goals from midfield, and they could be relying a lot on Naki Wells for finding the net once again. So I've got major, major concerns about Bristol City. I do think they look good defensively. Rob Atkinson and Thomas Callas could be one of the best centre-back pairings in the league. Atkinson's someone I'm really looking forward to seeing in the Championship. And then you've got Dan Bentley behind them as well, who's one of the best shot stoppers in the Championship. Mm. But aside from that back five, then the rest of the team is looking really, really short on depth, quality, creativity, goals. So I, I don't think you can rule out Bristol City being involved in a relegation battle this season, especially when you look at how bad they were in the second period of, the, of last season, you've you've made some good points. I think attacking wise, they're in a bit of a a bit of a pickle because Chris Martin, although I did give him some praise, was injured for the final third of last season. Also, didn't score many and didn't create too many either. Sort of past Christmas, past when when the form really got bad. Uh, and Naki Wells, I'm not convinced by Naki Wells at all. But one thing I will pull you up on there is you mentioned injuries, and if they start to pile up. But it doesn't count if it's Hull City, right? No, because I said Hull City have got loads of depth. I think Bristol City have still got depth. Obviously, in the forward areas, they're, they're light. But in central midfield, for example, they've got Andy King, they've got Matty James, there's Masengo, Joe Williams, as I mentioned. You've got Jay De Silva coming it's, it's back. There's not in much creativity right? in there, though, is there? No, but it's a, it's a hard-working industrial side. And I don't think you need that much creativity to, to run teams into the ground. So I think they've got enough there for me to be very comfortable in avoiding relegation. I could not disagree more, especially when it comes to when you look at who they've got in, you know, as I say, creativity is the massive sticking point for me and scoring goals. I, I just really struggled to see how they're going to consistently keep that flow of goals going. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait <laughs> to see on that. But I, I'm really concerned about Bristol City this season. I really, really am. Justin, that brings an end to part one of our Championship League table predictions, 24th to 17th. So we'll quickly go through who we had in each position. Justin, we had Derby in 24th, Blackpool in 23rd, Coventry in 22nd, Huddersfield in 21st, and then we had Hull in 20th, Preston 19th, Blackburn 18th and Bristol City 17th. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Part one of our league table predictions are out there on Tuesday. We'll be back with our teams from 16th to 9th. And then we'll have our top eight coming out on Thursday. Exciting times here at the second tier. If you disagree with us, let us know on Twitter. We'll yeah, we'll keep an eye out and, <laughs> and uh, we will take your feedback in mind. That is all we can say. Uh, but thank you for listening as always, guys. We really appreciate any listeners of the Second Tier Podcast. And as always, whenever we get reviews, anything like that, it goes a long way to helping us grow as a podcast. And we appreciate every single person who does that. It only takes 30 seconds of your time. If you could do it, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be back again on Tuesday for 16th to 9th. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. 